Welcome to Let's Be Nerds. I'm your host, Lizette, and today I am joined by Stephen, Gordon, Dylan, Delaney, Carmen, and Eric. How's everybody doing today? Doing pretty good. Good. Very good. I can't complain. Little computer trouble at the start, but I fixed it. Super excited. <laughs> I know. So, Delaney, this is a topic you and I have been talking about doing for a little while now. So, Today we are discussing some of the newer Disney animated movies and specifically how we really don't feel like they're being made for children anymore. Just a heads up to our listeners, there will be spoilers. Now, most of these have been out for over a year, but we are going to be talking about Bruno today. That is Encanto, if you do not know. Um, <laughs> that... <laughs> I have been planning that joke for three hours, so I hope you <laughs> it all was really good. It. <laughs> None of yeah, you I have any clue. Like um, that, is, that is going to be saved until the end. So we are going to be talking about them in release order. So first up, the movie that kind of made us think of this topic to, to a degree, and also we feel like kind of started this trend in Disney was Inside Out, which was released in June of 2015. Delaney, can you give us a quick summary of the story for that one? Yeah, so essentially Inside Out is about this girl. Her family moves, and it goes into her mind, essentially, and all of her feelings are portrayed as individual characters, and it goes through, like, her like all of her emotions and how she feels and how each of them interact with each other and how they all work together to essentially like this it's this girl like this is her from the inside out so almost like osmosis jones but in the brain yes and not the whole body yes yeah okay. so who has seen inside out who has not seen it is there, or let me rephrase that. Is there anybody on our panel today who has not seen it? I've seen clips of it. That's about it. I've never seen it. I've actually never seen it. Yet. I've never seen it in its entirety. I've seen it in pieces. I've yeah. actually never seen any of the movies we're going to be talking about tonight. So, watch be, list. Yeah, I. But I don't. I don't want to watch them by myself. That's fair. Some of these, I. Yeah. Some some of these I wouldn't watch by yourself just because they have a very major impact. So I had been spoiled for Inside Out a lot. I'd seen a lot of clips and I knew a lot of, a lot of how like the ending of it happened, but I hadn't ever actually watched it until it was either the end of December or earlier this month in January. Um, Delaney and I had a conversation and Drew was in on this too. We were all talking about how we think and how we process memories. If we think in pictures, if we think with words, it was a very in-depth 
a very long conversation that I don't want to rehash right now. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about any of the stuff that happened in that conversation anyway. Um, so she basically told Drew and I that we needed to watch this movie. So a little while later we did. And by the end of it, I just had tears and snot running down my face. And he looked over at me. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. So you don't look okay. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. Um, we both went to bed that night and we both had dreams that led to us waking up crying. He didn't remember what his was. I remember what mine was, but not the details. I actually had a lucid dream where, which if anybody is not aware of what a lucid dream is, it's where you become aware that you're dreaming. You can kind of take control of it some. Mm -hmm. I had a lucid dream where I got to talk to my mom. Again, I don't remember what we talked about, but um, I got to give her a hug. It was all this, all of these things that I've been wanting to do, particularly recently, has just been on my mind. And ever since watching that, I've had a dream with her in it at least once a week. You're oh. welcome. Holy cow, Liza. That's beautiful. It's been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster because I don't remember what any of them are. I just know that she's I've been having dreams with her in them a lot. But anyway, maybe that's maybe that's all it needs to be is just knowing that she's there with you. Yeah, I mean it it has definitely it, it's been comforting sometimes. Sometimes it's not, but it it was weird. Like I I was a mess that whole day after that the first one. I was actually messed for about three days afterwards. Like it, when it hit me what it was and everything, I was just like, oh, oh okay. So yeah, um, I'm still dealing with the uh, the effects of Inside Out three weeks later. Yeah. Or four four weeks later, it might be now. So um, yeah, it's it's good. It is really good. There are a lot of themes in there that, younger kids are not going to pick up on do you guys all agree with me on that yes and yeah no. i feel like yes and no to an extent too like i think and maybe delaney you can go in more detail since you guys know the movie i feel like from an individual like kid standpoint they'll be able to recognize the emotions better but like yes. from the adult standpoint they'll have more in-depth understanding for, like, the why. That maybe the kids don't start to ask the why yet. They're just starting to learn what those emerging emotions are. Yes, and I, I guess I should rephrase that a little bit because something that really interested me about Inside Out, I found out um, before I'd watched it, um, a lot of people who do therapy for children use it mm -hmm. to help young kids express and like how they're feeling and they said it's helped with i i believe it's helped some children on the autism spectrum yes i can say that from from a parent's perspective yes yeah i i was gonna ask you about that actually carmen yeah um so i mean i don't want to take up too much time with it but yes so uh i know that shane has experienced some of those videos briefly um, but that was when we were first kind of starting to learn to talk about emotions and we bought like a picture book uh, or a flip book, I should say for him that had images on it that weren't exactly the exact same, I'm guessing copyright laws. <laughs> they aren't the exact same emotions or character depictions from the movie Inside Out, 
but they're similar depictions. And so if he wasn't quite sure what he was feeling, he could flip to, you know, something that kind of looked like that emotion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a work in progress with him as well, too. He has a, a little flip key, key ring, keychain, and he's getting better at starting to understand emotions. And I feel like that movie, if, if we probably watched it a little bit more with him, then he may actually tune in and maybe start to understand things a little bit better, too. Yeah. I think it's really cool that they did something that they obviously took so much care when they made it because it can be used for these purposes as well, rather than just entertainment. Yep. Um, There's a lot of like educational background. I think that they spent learning. Yeah. Yeah. Which you don't see as often as you should when, um, like the media is dealing with those kinds of issues, in my opinion. But it's more than your average kids movie. I don't remember kids movies like being like that when we were young. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, does anybody else have anything they want to add to Inside Out before we move to our next one? Just so we can kind of um, I can say my favorite clip I've seen of it is the two. I don't know what they were, but they're like, we sometimes send this song up to the brain just so oh that for hours. <laughs> That alone makes me want to watch the movie because I feel that on such an emotion. I agree. It it was like their explanation for why random jingles get stuck in your head. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was like the workers down in um the like was it like the memory banks, Delaney? I think that's what they are. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they are. I think it's the memory banks and like the workers down there, they're like, Yeah, up at headquarters, they'll request this other thing. Sometimes we like to just send them this. Just because. And sometimes they don't even ask for anything and we still just send it. Just because. Because. Just because. My reasoning for everything. Yep. Yep, that's so, about right. There's definitely a lot of really funny things in there. There's, um, I think I might have sent Dylan and Delaney or maybe just Delaney. I sent you guys a meme of joy dragging sadness around the memory banks. I said, that's me. Trying to drag Drew <laughs> to happiness. Yeah, it was to me okay. because when I tell you I evil cackled, I evil cackled like the time Eliza <laughs> texted me telling me she bawled her eyes out. I evil cackled because I knew it was going to happen when I told her to watch this movie. Yep. Well, we were crying in our conversation that we had that led to you telling me to watch the movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> so because... it was only inevitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Well, the other thing that really made me lose it was at the end, which a little bit of spoiler for anybody um, when they start to show because the memories are coded to the different emotions. And towards the end of the movie, they realize that it doesn't have to be one particular emotion tied to a memory. Mm-hmm. So you can have joy and sadness tied to the same memory for whatever reason. And um, the visual that you gave me, Delaney, when we were talking about memories of my mom being really bright yellow and joyful but now also being blue that just kind of made me lose it when i saw some of them in the movie that were yellow and blue yeah Yeah. i totally knew that was gonna happen yeah that was that was what like i was crying already and that one just made me go nope there i'm i'm done i'm out yeah down for the count yeah it was coming i knew it was coming yeah So, all right. Anybody else? Inside out. 
The only thing I think I remember, and you guys correct me up, but I feel like I remember hearing or reading or seeing how the, everybody has the same emotions, but like the control center is different in each person. Like they yes. had, they, there's something that said like the mom was, uh, her emotions were controlled by, I think, sadness, but the dad's yes. head guy was anger yes. or rage or whatever. Yep. Yep, you're correct. And the the girl's one who was in charge was Joy. Mm -hmm. And it was so, like... Uh, yeah, um, kind of. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a really cool, like, looking at that and seeing that they were showing her mom was dealing with more depression. Her dad had anger issues. Yeah. Because of the alcohol. <laughs> sorry. Was that gonna, no, it was not Gordon. I was going to say, I don't remember nowhere. that. No, no complete just, bullshit. Sorry. Gordon's just coming out of nowhere. Already. That's the only thing I was going to add. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was a nice detail. There are a lot of really nice little details in there. So I do, for those of you who have only seen clips or just seen little bits and pieces, I would say definitely... When you get a chance, watch the whole thing because there are a lot of very subtle things that are, it's just so well done. Have a movie day. It's fine. We yep. haven't had one in a while. I had one Sunday. <laughs> well, I, you know what I mean. I think this is definitely on my list for tomorrow. It should um, be on your list for every day. It's on my list for whenever I finish watching everything else I already have on my list. <laughs> or someone decides they want to watch it with me but you know i'm lonely so that's never gonna happen <laughs> all right well if we don't have anything else to add to it right now we'll move into our second one we do have it's five movies total we want to cover so we got lots to talk about still so movie number two is coco which was released in november of 2017 this one is my personal favorite on this list um for those of you not familiar with the story let me see i did not actually prepare a summary of this my bad um <laughs> it is about a young boy who has taught himself to play guitar he loves music but his family is family of shoemakers and there's absolutely no music allowed whatsoever there is a reason for that um he accidentally gets i believe it's i believe he gets cursed and um it's the day of the dead mm -hmm. he is sent to um like the, uh the land of the dead in in a sense the only way he can come back is if he has family uh, blessing from his family who is there and he spends the time trying to find his great grandfather and I'll leave it off at that just in case anybody hasn't seen the ending of it. But I I love the music in it. I love the visuals are so, Stunning. so gorgeous. I remember the first time I watched it just like being in awe of the animation on this one. Um, and just the the overall take on when someone is gone, you keep them alive by telling their stories and by remembering them. Yeah. At the time, like, I just, I loved the idea, but it didn't hit as much until a couple years later for me. Um, and then I watched it, I think, the day after my grandfather passed away. It was the first time I made Drew watch it. And it hits really hard when you're dealing with it around uh, an event like that. So, yeah. um, 
other than Gordon, is there anybody who hasn't <laughs> seen Coco? I Don't make have... fun of me. What did you say, Gordon? Don't make fun of me. I'm not making you fun of you. I'm just, I'm just trying to make it so that you don't have to say you haven't seen everything because we know you haven't seen it. That's fair. I was trying to make it easier on you. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of with Gordon. I think the I've only watched like one movie on this list we're talking about. Oh, you haven't seen Coco yet. And Steven, you not... said you haven't seen it. I've seen clips of it. That's about it. It's good. And I could listen to the soundtrack all I've day long. I've been meaning to watch it, okay? Dylan, You're... I'll come down next Sunday night. We'll watch all these movies, and then I'll leave Monday. I mean, that works for me. <laughs> you will like Coco more than you liked Encanto. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, I, there's I no, agree with there's you, no question in I my mind. I soundtrack for it. Like, I, I yes. Songs from it and stuff, and I like it. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is another one that I definitely recommend for you guys. Um, this was the first one that I watched it. So I, my dad's Puerto Rican. The culture is a little bit different because this one is set in Mexico. But I recognized so much of like the nuances in the culture in this one. And yeah. that was really cool for me on that side of it. You know, it was just, it was really, really cool to see. That. He tried to find a good spot there, like interject and i feel like you know the path you were just about to talk about was i think this was the first movie that really represented some of the latina or latino yes. heritage and cultures mm -hmm. i think this was the first one that disney and pixar kind of i don't want to say allowed but it was the first one that they broke ground with essentially by showing another culture yeah and i think that was part of why it resonated with so many people as well other than aside from the fact that it's just a really good movie and it has such one, a good story yeah one of the main elements to it is family like that is at mm -hmm. the heart of it it is a story about a family that was broken by an event that had happened a few generations back and the the effects of it had trickled down and that's why music was not allowed in their family i can i can say this without spoiling too much the um great-grandfather had abandoned the family to go and play music and that's why the great-grandmother forbid music in the family and all everybody after that just was like no more music we don't want music but then you find out later different things that actually happened mm -hmm. and there were misunderstandings and they they get to heal at the end of it and everybody like it has a very very good and happy ending like it's bittersweet yeah very very bittersweet but um i don't know it just that one still resonates i haven't watched it for a while i'm probably gonna watch it tomorrow just because it's been so long i have to say i was avoiding coco like the play why what was it that made you avoid it it was gonna be too emotional for me uh the music and the loss of family and different things so i think it's gonna be something i'm gonna have to revisit it is definitely emotional um like i said the like the first time i watched it was whenever it got put on disney plus or when it, whenever disney plus started so like i i don't think i saw it when it was first released i know it, it made me cry a little bit the first couple times i saw it and then again watching it after losing having lost my mom my grandfather in a short period of time it hit a lot harder like I can tell you Drew was convinced that I had overhyped it because I told him how much I loved it and it was my favorite and all this stuff and he was dreading watching it with me because he was convinced that 
it was not going to be as good as I told him. And by the time it was done, he looked at me. He's like, okay, this is the one movie that you managed to not overhype. Like this was actually as good as you said it was. (laughs) Good to know. So, but definitely keep some tissues with you, especially for that ending. Mm -hmm. All right. And on that note, we are going to jump to our first ad break and we will be right back. Internet privacy and internet security are two very hot button issues. Any active user of the internet understands that you are always taking a risk, whether it be your private Wi-Fi at home or a public Wi-Fi connection, you are always at risk for somebody potentially hacking and breaching your data. That's why we here at Speakeasley Productions and Let's Be Nerds have partnered with NordVPN. We believe the services that they offer are of tremendous value. We believe they have a customer-focused service regarding your internet security and your internet privacy, and we support them 100%. If you click the link in the description box below, you can see the services that we are able to offer to our listeners through NordVPN at somewhat of a discount in order to better secure your internet experience. Help us support the show and support NordVPN and the incredible work that they're doing by clicking that link down below. And we are back. So I'm going to touch on a little bit of spoilery discussion as soon as I figure out what my cat just knocked over. Um, Sorry, Um, a little bit of spoilery discussion for Coco. I'm going to try not to get into specifics. Um, So we talked about how, Dylan, I know you said you listened to the soundtrack. You just haven't seen the movie yet. Is that what you said? I've listened to a few songs and I've seen a few clips of it. Okay. And I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Something that I found really interesting that they did with this, and I believe they may have done this with Encanto as well, but they didn't make as big of a deal of it. When they released Coco, they released the English version, but then they released it voiced entirely in Spanish. And I believe they reanimated it so that it matched with the Spanish dialogue. And there are different, a few different voice actors for the Spanish side of it. I knew that some of the singers were different. And I don't I don't know how many of their movies that they've actually gone out of their way to reanimate to do in another language. So I thought that was kind of cool. I say the only one that I'm familiar with, and it's not even an animated movie, is I know that Vin Diesel said I am Groot in like twenty six different languages. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I knew that he did that and I, I thought that was funny. But yeah, as far as other things, I think it's usually just dubbed over. I agree. I think it's usually dubbed. I don't think they reanimate to match. So that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, because if you look on Disney Plus, you can actually see it. You'll see Coco, and then it's listed as a separate entry, Coco in Spanish. Kind of been wanting to watch it and just throw the subtitles on in English because my Spanish isn't that good. But <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, I kind of have to look up who it is that. Um, sings the ending credits because it's an artist that i really like just in general but there's a there's a song in coco it's throughout the whole movie it's called remember me 
Yes. And there's like three different versions of it through the whole thing. And it, it's really the theme of the movie because it is, it really ties back into that remembering the people who might not be with you, whether they've been lost, whether they're just away for a little while. Um, the version of it that plays through the credits is sung by Miguel. And mm-hmm. I, it's one of my favorite, like that's one that's on my playlist in my car constantly. There's a lot of just really fun songs on there as well. But yeah, I have El Pollo Loco stuck in my head currently. Yes. <laughs> and there's a, there's a good bit of variety in it too. Like you have um, La Llorona, which is a really sad sounding song mm-hmm. when the great grandmother sings it. Like it's a, it's a different tone than a lot of the other ones that are being played or, Oh, I, I remember one. So um, in one of the songs, it's called everyone knows Juanita. I think I, I haven't verified this, so I could be wrong, but I think that is a song that might not necessarily have been made for this movie. Or if it was made for this movie, they um it's some of the adult characters singing it. And when the one remembers that there is a child sitting next to him, you he changes the lyrics. And the <laughs> other the other character calls him out on it and goes, Those aren't the words. It's like there's children <laughs> present. It's like I'm not singing it that way. There's children here. It was just really cute, like the interactions and stuff and just seeing how they played up the, oh, I remember what it was I wanted to talk about this movie. Dylan, you will appreciate this. There's a lot of guitar playing in this movie. It is animated accurately. Mm-hmm. They The you way that they- that? Like I've heard that before and it's something that's made me want to watch the movie because that's my favorite part of what mm-hmm. I heard is just the guitar itself. Like I've been yes. listening to a lot more- um, Kind of like a Spanish style guitar music. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's so great to listen to. Yeah, and just the watching them, um, their hands. You have to watch their hands when they're playing the guitars. It is animated accurately to what they are playing, and the way that they interact with each other when they're playing music and everything. Because you'll see the different characters will sit down and just like watch somebody else who's playing. And you see that very much. Um, I remember watching a commentary where they're like, this is what actual musicians, it doesn't matter how skilled you are when somebody else is playing, you sit down and you listen and you appreciate somebody else playing. And it's just like, they, they got the heart of that down so well. Mm-hmm. And it just shows through in this one. It's an, it's another one that they just put a lot of care into. And it shows. Definitely going to add it to my list of uh, need to watch. Yes, I, I think you will. I, I said it before the break. I'll say it again. You will like this one. <laughs> I know you will. But on that note, that, that, was my, that was my last big thing was the guitar playing. So... <laughs> Carmen Delaney, do either of you have something else you want to add about Coco? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Everybody should watch it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our next one is another one that made me ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? You uh, always ugly cry. So I mean, I know. I I mean, I do, but I feel justified crying on this one. Okay. Um. Uh, so onward was released in March of 2020. And Stephen, you have the synopsis for that one for us, right? 
I do. So I do want to preface that I recommend everybody watching this movie. I do have to admit, I watched it in at an inopportune time, and I need to go back and rewatch the ending. I might have fallen asleep. But <laughs> Onward was a little bit overlooked because of the fact of it premiering pretty much at the height of the pandemic. It affected the box office sales. It affected the tra- trajectory of the film. Um, but that was not because of the quality of the film. So why it came on my radar was Tom Holland plays the lead character, Ian. Chris Pratt plays the other lead, Barley. And their mother's plural is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld and Veep. And the Manticore is played by Octavia Spencer. So I'm going to be totally honest, that cast right there, I was in for this movie. Um, so to go on to the plot, essentially what it is, is Ian and Barley are kind of opposites in personality. Um, their mother, Laurel, presents them with a staff, a magical staff, because essentially, I should pre- preface this, they live in a world where magic and myth and creatures are commonplace, but due to like the advancement of technology, it's like kind of not that impressive anymore which is a unique take um, on the idea of magic. But Ian's father, uh, Wilden, was passed away before Ian was born. And Laurel has now given them this magical staff. And there is a spell uh, where it would allow, essentially, Wilden to come back for a day to spend a day with Ian and Barley. Unfortunately, Barley interrupts Ian's spell. If I'm remembering it correctly, Barley interrupts, and they only get the bottom half of their dad back. (laughs) So it's essentially, you know, pants, legs, feet, and shoes. And so they go on this journey to find a gem. I believe it's a gem that will essentially allow them to properly complete the spell and get to spend a day with their dad. On their journey, they go. They run into the Manticore, who goes by the nickname, I believe, Corey, played by Octavia Spencer, and she's like not in a very good headspace. Like she's not really happy with her life, and a fire ensues. I don't want to give every detail away, um, and she basically loses the map and everything that like because she was helping Ian and Barley, but this episode. Um, results in, I believe there's a kid's menu that has a reference to where they need to go next. And so they continue on with their journey. Laurel, their mother, is super worried about their absence, goes and is essentially tracking them and comes friends with the Manticore. This, I guess, to say what surprised me here is I really only went into this for the cast. I was so shocked to have it be such a heavy topic of, you know, a deceased father. And that really, I, I didn't read anything about it before watching it. So that really kind of speaks to what I think we're getting here at here is that's a heck of a way. I mean, granted, Lion King, Simba yeah. lost his father, but... It wasn't addressed. It was Akuna matata away. Yes, yes. It, it was peace and love and, you know, Timon and Pumbaa fixed everything. Yeah. Um, this was not. This was like a very emotional journey. And then you see 
as it progresses, like Ian and Barley's contentious relationship as brothers, which mm-hmm. was, I mean, you've seen that before in other media, but for whatever reason, this felt a little bit more raw, a little bit more realistic. It wasn't just some foddered over plotline. It was like genuine insult, genuine hurt. And then you see the confidence levels of Barley increase. And it really speaks to individual characters. Like it's like everybody has like a mental health story in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like even Laurel, like and I, I love Julia Louis Dreyfus can do no wrong. She portrayed the character beautifully. Even from the mother's perspective, you get to see, because normally in Disney movies, the mother is like the queen regent and she's perfect. And that's really kind of all she does for the film is just be the queen. This is a female protagonist that's, you can actually kind of put yourself in her shoes even a little bit. Mm -hmm. And she's vulnerable. Delaney, I know you're a big fan of this movie and I don't want to just keep talking to nausea because I really want to hear your input. Like what was, what touched you? What about this movie touched you? So I'm not going to lie. The entire reason that I watched it in the first place was because that I saw Tom Holland was the lead voice actor. <laughs> I will not lie. <laughs> and then it was kind of how, like, the other thing that really made me want to watch it was that there was magic in it. But, like you said, the technology has, like, overruled that. Like, it doesn't exist very much anymore. Like, I thought that was, like, a neat spin on it. Because, like, you think Disney, you think magic everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of different for me. Um, and then the whole the whole dad thing got me. I was like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm in for this. I'm stuck. Like, I have to watch this through the end. Mm-hmm. So for me, a big thing for me was I really liked... So it reminded me of a much better version of... If anyone knows the movie, Netflix did a movie called Bright, which is oh, kind yeah. of a similar thing. You know, it's modern times, but um, magic basically has become outdated with technology. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they did a much better job in showing that in this movie. And I also just love the older brother's van and his like attempts throughout the entire movie to basically be the dad for um, <laughs> his younger brother, in a sense. Which they kind of touched mm-hmm. they touched upon in the end, and I really enjoyed that for the movie. And I love that they portrayed Barley as, like, he was a role-playing, pl- like, role-play-RPG video game player. And then they kind of touched back on that, because that allowed Ian to learn spells. <laughs> and I was like, that's, like, a really cool way to integrate the technology compared to the magic. I, I don't know, I just love that they're... Bond, I guess I should say. So throughout the entire movie, they literally just reminded me of Dylan and Drew. Like the entire time, I could see nobody other than Dylan and Drew. Never told me that. I thought I did. I don't. Yeah, I don't think she told me either. Because like I was when I went into watching this. So obviously, this this got delayed. It was supposed to be released in. November or December of 2019 and I know I've mentioned this several times in this episode alone multiple times on this podcast my mom passed away in October of 2019 my sister and I had already been looking forward to this movie from when it was announced earlier that year and then looking at what the plot line of it was 
after we lost her, we were like, okay, so obviously we have to make sure we go and see this together because we're both going to be a mess. So we came at this, um, we actually did not get to watch it together because the pandemic happened. We weren't able to go in theaters. We had to wait for it on Disney Plus and we watched it by ourselves and then just text each other afterwards and was like, How are, are, are you crying? Because I'm crying. Um, we definitely came at it from the children who've lost a parent aspect of it. And I, I loved all of the other, all of the things that you guys have mentioned, like the magic in a modern day. And just, it was a really cool take, a really cool world in general. But just dealing with that very heavy topic, it was released at the perfect time for her and I because we were dealing with it right then. Like we were still very much in the midst of it. Um, it was still very fresh. So seeing once again, the care that they took with a very sensitive and very heavy topic that really shows like it's something that, yes, younger kids can relate to this if they're dealing with it. But at the same time, it really hits adults so much more than the um, older Disney stuff did when dealing with these topics. I'm glad that you had, because again, we talk a lot on the show about representation in media, and I hate to say it this way, but representation doesn't necessarily mean somebody on the screen looks, I mean, it, it certainly should mean that somebody on the screen looks and acts and feels like you and you see you feel seen but it doesn't always necessarily have to be looks it can be emotional struggle it can be things in life that you're dealing with and in in a way this type of film was you seeing yourself reflected it was representation in media yeah by a struggle yeah and seeing the sibling dynamic of it of dealing with the same the same issues and seeing sure my sister's gonna listen to this episode and come and text me afterwards and be like what do you mean you feel like you're trying to um I I feel like I'm trying to be there for her as her older sister but there have been times over the past couple years where I've not intentionally been trying to fill a mother spot for her but I've been trying to fill the support role that our mom filled for her when I can. So it was really, it was really cool is not the word I want, but I can't think of a better word right now to see that represented in a way that, like you said, I could relate to, she could relate to. For a second, and not to put words in your mouth, I I, Mm -hmm. I mean this more as a question, but it's going to come out as a statement. You felt validated what you were in a, in, a, feeling. in a way yeah because it also all of these movies that we're talking about open up discussions that aren't always socially acceptable like they're becoming more prevalent now but in years past it's like oh you don't you don't talk about mental health you don't talk about loss you don't talk about trauma and those discussions are becoming are coming out in the open more and it's letting people who may not have known how to talk about it let them have a voice and talk about their struggles or like you said feel seen feel heard validated yes and you're I not think, alone yeah and i think that these are so important 
these advancements in the way that stories are being told to include these more in-depth examples. Yeah. Yeah, almost like they're not for just entertaining. They're, you know, they are in an aspect, you know, entertaining people, but then they're also letting us feel things and talk about things that go to a deeper level. Yes. Yep. Can I pose a question to the group? And I maybe and tell me if we need to save this for the back half when we are in group discussion. We can easily pause this question. But despite our age range, we really all did grow up in the height of, you know, Little Mermaid, eighties Disney, Lion King, Aladdin. Like we all did kind of resonate at some point in that time period and we made them a lot of money. Do you feel that it's because we grew up on them and we were such staunch supporters that they are now transitioning these movies into what we're talking about now, where it's kids can watch them and appreciate them at the kid level, but they still know that Carmen Jacobs is going to take Shane to that movie and she still needs to feel something. Or Lizette is still a fan and she's going through a little bit. And essentially, like, are they just doing, like, fan service in a, in a good way like they know who their key audience was they know their peak and now they're matching us subtly or not so subtly throughout our phases of life as we grow older take kids take nieces take nephews to these films it can it's I, like it's like they're keeping they're keeping us uh, anyway go ahead. sorry can i pose a counter question to that because i think you're making a good point but i i just thought of something too how many of the people working on these stories, working on these movies now, are of our age group who know mm-hmm. that this is what they need? Yeah. So they know it's what the rest of us need, too. Because they grew up with it, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit of both, as maybe they've grown up as us watching them are now our age or older or whatever have you, but they're realizing that, you know, the times are changing and... What may have worked, you know, for the 80s, 90s type of movies and films for that generation isn't going to work for the quote unquote parents or adults who may be now taking their younger siblings or younger, you know, kids to the movies. So they're changing and adapting with the times of what do people now want to, you know, have as entertainment slash education slash discussion. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, it's and that's honestly, that's why I brought this topic up. It's been kind of floating around in my brain for a couple of weeks and I just got to sending it all to you today. And the fact that everybody kind of jumped on this topic tells me you all knew exactly what I was talking about when I suggested it. Mm-hmm. So it's something that everyone has noticed. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's that has a point. It's like, no, we all noticed it, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's you're breaking down a stigma by talking about it Liza, and by bringing it to a discussion because i don't hear a lot of people talk about it like i mean people were passive with it like oh yeah you know it would be easy for me to be like oh yeah i watched this movie because my niece katie is young and is into this and it but you it, to acknowledge like oh no I'm an adult. I still enjoy this because I see the messages that are trying to send. I don't see a lot of people like openly acknowledging that that it's it's okay to to watch these movies and pick up on the lessons and the I'm I'm starting to see a lot more people on social media like the last few movies that have come out really dive into them which I'll get into when we hit this last one. But I almost feel like on 
some of them, I don't want to say they're overanalyzing, but some people are digging a little bit too far in the wrong direction mm-hmm. In my, it, on some of them. But again, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the last one. Um, Carmen, our next one is a movie, I think, so um, for our listeners, Eric had to step away for the evening, and he, I believe he was the only other one on the panel tonight <laughs> who had seen this next movie. Yeah, um, that's okay. So if you want to give us a quick synopsis, we're going to talk about, or you are going to tell us about <laughs> Soul, which was released in November of 2020. Yeah, so Soul uh, is uh, it takes a place in the course of a day, and it follows a guy named Joe in what is simultaneously the best day and worst day of his life. Um, he is a music teacher, middle school, high school music teacher. And he's like always been a struggling musician, always just trying to catch his next big break, just, you know, wants to make it big, loves jazz music. And one day he gets a phone call that he gets to audition for a famous jazz quartet, gets the gig. And they're like, all right, come back at seven. We're going to play with you live. And he thinks this is it. This is my big break. I finally made it. I'm going to make be a famous musician. And he falls down a open sewer grate and passes away. <laughs> Uh, yeah exactly i'm already crying jeez goodness (laughs) um so he gets taken to the afterlife and is trying to make his way back into being a human um into the human realm um he he becomes basically a soul and he's caught between the great after you know the afterlife he uh ends up in what they called the great before which is, you know, before your soul, you know, comes to earth before not quite where babies are coming from, but like what makes you you and how do you come to earth? So it has themes and topics of death, afterlife, before you're born, being born, I guess, in a sense of finding out who you are, what's your passion, and then like the big overarching theme of like what's the purpose of life. Um so in his journey to try to get back down to earth, he finds another soul um who doesn't want to go to earth has never wanted to go to earth doesn't want to live is quite content just kind of being a soul it, things are pretty good up in the uh, before the afterlife wherever they are in whatever plane of existence um, and this soul has no intent whatsoever to go down to earth um somehow through some like hilarity with a hippie because it's always a hippie um <laughs> <laughs> with, with this hilarity with this hippie they the two souls end up coming into earth but instead of joe going back into his body the uh soul that didn't want to do any living whatsoever ends up getting trapped in his body and joe gets sucked into the body of a cat and so they, they uh Joe is essentially as a cat trying to show this soul who had no intention of ever coming to Earth what Earth is all about. And in the course of just living, this soul has found its purpose in life is literally to just live. And that's finally at the very end of the movie when Joe kind of gets it. He thought his, you know, the entire time that his purpose in life was to be a musician, to be a jazz musician. He gets his big break. They're able to make it happen where he does the gig. But it wasn't what he lived up. What it wasn't quite what he thought it was going to be, and he ended up feeling kind of empty after the fact. Like, you know, he did his big thing. He finally got his big break. He had his performance of a lifetime, and it wasn't fulfilling for him. So, 
the theme that I get from this, you know, yes, there's death, life. It, and those are big, big questions. They've, they've come up in other movies as well, too. But this one is more about the meaning of life. And what I get out of it is like, just live, man, just live. You know, it's it's okay to have dreams. It's okay to have desires. But that doesn't have to be the only thing you're living for. Um, through the movie as Joe and the Cat, Joe and the Cat's body is trying to get the uh, soul, who's voiced by Tina Fey, the soul to kind of get accustomed to being in a body. Uh, Tina Fey, you know, the voice of the the soul, is asking all these questions to people that are in Joe's life that Joe realizes now that he's not in his body, he doesn't even actually know these people. So he's finding out things about them, realizing that I never really stopped to ask them questions to get to know them. He was so focused on his goal, on his dream, that he never really stopped to ask anybody else about theirs. I know. Wow. It's a, it's a deep story. And uh, at the very end of the, the film, um, Joe thinks that, you know, he's the soul finally, you know, Tina Fey, the soul, she's figured out her reason to live. Her purpose is literally just to live, just to go enjoy life. And uh, she's ready to go to Earth, finally, after having billions of mentors try to convince her to go to Earth. Joe is the, the random guy to get her to do it. And uh, so Joe's soul thinks, you know, this is it. I'm, I've accepted my fate. I'm going to go to the great beyond. And the powers that be decide they're going to give him a second chance. And they ask him, like, literally as the ending credits are getting ready to go up, they say, you know, is, you know it's your second chance. What do you, what do you want to do with your life? And he goes, you know what? I really don't know, but I plan on living it. Okay. I know. <laughs> I, I got to watch this movie now. It's a good movie. And on top of being a very good movie, it's uh, the main character is uh, played by Jamie Foxx. It was Pixar's first film to depict an African-American. Um, so you've got Jamie Foxx playing the lead. Angela Bassett is in it. And I know she's your girl, oh. Stephen. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> she's a play Storm. Anyway, but I'm glad she's in this movie. She's this movie. They did not market this well. Well, at all. No, Thank you, Lester. No. I'm like, where? Like, why did this slip so far under my radar? I it's a fantastic movie. I literally just thought. Um, I don't. I don't know what I thought it was. I knew that they made a big deal that it was the first um, Pixar movie that had an African American main character. Like, I knew they were making a big deal about that, but that's all I remember hearing about it. And I don't even remember hearing that much about that. And the funniest thing is, like, you know, Jamie Foxx, I think, said in an interview, too, is, you know, yes, he plays Pixar's first African-American main character, and he's literally a black guy for less than 20 minutes in the movie. Before. <laughs> so, but that's, it, it's still, it, you know, so there's some aspects, like I think you were talking about, is that with, you know, people diving too deep into things and reading between things that maybe doesn't need to go there. It still was a film that, you know, is representing a community that has not been represented before in this capacity. And yeah. maybe to some aspects, maybe they could have done better, but I still think, you know, from my perspective, I still think that his voice, his, the essence he gave to the character, even though it was just a green blob of being a soul, it still, I think was representative of, of the community at large. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got good music in it. It's it's um <laughs> it's it's not really songs that we would know, but the score was uh composed by Trent Reznor and uh somebody else from from Nine Inch Nails. Oh, and John Batiste played um John Batiste 
did a lot of the piano for the jazz part, and Questlove is in there as well too. So it has musical people as well as awesome actors. I, I, I love I it. Intrigued. I am definitely intrigued. I just looked it up on IMDb, and I have a funny story for you when we come back, Elizabeth. Okay. Well, let's go on break, and then you can tell me your story when we come back. Our last two sponsors of the day are Audible and CodeMonkey. Audible is a wonderful application in which you are able to combine your love of audiobooks and your love of podcasts all in one streamlined place. I have been using Audible for about two months now, and I have to say the experience has been tremendous. I have found that being somebody that's constantly on the go, having one generalized place to find all of my entertainment, whether I'm traveling in the car or listening at work, it has really made my life a little bit easier because I can find everything I'm looking for in one spot and I'm never missing out. I'm staying on top of current things, current events with my podcasts, and I'm making progress on the books that I want to read. We here at Speakeasley Productions and Let's Be Nerds are proud to offer you a 30-day trial with a free credit. All you have to do is click the link in the description box below and you can sign up now and try it for yourself. Let us know what you think because we're pretty proud of this program. CodeMonkey is a very important application. We all know that children are the future and CodeMonkey is taking that very seriously. With programs for both parents and teachers, this is a fun, interactive way for children to learn coding while gaming. Yes, you heard that right, coding. Teach them young and help them prepare for their future careers in this ever-changing technology environment. CodeMonkey is first in its class in its fun and educational software. We would love for you to give it a try. The link for the the link for it will be in the description box below. And please let us know what you think. I am extremely proud to work with them because I believe that they have a very similar vision that I, I and my co-host share. Children are the future and we need to educate them and get them better prepared for the job market ahead. With that being said, thank you Audible and thank you CodeMonkey for making this podcast possible. All right, Stephen, let's hear the story. Okay, so I am actively using IMDB's uh, watch list just so I don't forget anything. So I went to add souls to my watch list and no kidding, I took screenshots and I can post them in the Discord. Um, every movie, I'm pretty sure every single movie we've mentioned so far is under the more like this six- section. <laughs> like, because you know how you scroll down on IMDb past the cast, director, writer. It's mm-hmm. more like this. I'm pretty sure every movie <laughs> is like oh, yeah. listed out. It's just so cool that like... I mean, maybe it's stupid because I mean, it's all the same productions or whatever, but like, it was just cool. Like, (laughs) I know what we're talking about specifically, and this is part of what drew like the, some of the ones that I was thinking about and part of what got this idea together in my head recently was I saw a list that somebody made that said, basically said Disney's not making movies for kids anymore. And they literally listed inside out soul and Kanto, and 
there was a fourth one. I don't remember if it was Coco. It was not Onward. I know they didn't list Onward. But it was something that just made me go, oh, so we're definitely not the only ones who are making this connection. People are talking about it, but I don't feel like it's getting as much attention as it deserves. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, so I definitely am getting the feeling that I need to watch Soul. I had been avoiding it because, like I said, it, it was not marketed well at all. Which is it's not a, fair. Not no, fair it's to it. not fair at all. No. <laughs> and uh, my experience with watching it for the first time was while I was getting my leg tattoo. And so I'm literally sitting in the chair oh. crying from tears of uh, a thigh tattoo at the same time crying from this movie. So I got very personal <laughs> with my tattoo artist that day. Wait, your Disney, wait, your tattoo place let you watch Disney movies? Like, that's a pretty cool tattoo place. (laughs) They have, like, a TV in her room, and uh, she has it hooked up with, like, Netflix and everything. She's like, yeah, what do you want to watch? We'll throw something on. So it's a nice distraction while you're getting tattooed, so you don't really think about that. But that was my first experience with Soul. I watched Jurassic Park while I was getting my last one done, so yeah, definitely helps. Watched Mars Attacks. Oh, Oh, good movie. (laughs) (laughs) all right well if carmen if you don't have anything you want to add about soul no just go watch it seriously that's it felicia (laughs) richard mrs cosby is in it felicia richard sorry i okay i gotta watch this movie okay we gotta move on sorry okay (laughs) all right so we're moving on and for our listeners we have now also lost delaney she has gone to bed Um, So there are a few points she wanted me to make about our next movie. So for those of you who have not seen Encanto yet, now is your time to click off, go watch it and come (laughs) back because we are going to talk about Bruno. Um, First of all, we're going to talk about this was a point that Delaney wanted me to make. And I did not realize this until she told me we don't talk about Bruno has passed. Let it go as the most played Disney song. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that? Impressive. <laughs> yeah. That being said, it has been on repeat in my brain for the past two weeks, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, what was the other thing that she said? It's been on. She's been listening to it in her car on her way to work every day since I made her watch it. Did she say anything else? No, I don't, don't want to. Okay, I was going to say, I don't want to get yelled at. <laughs> You're going to get yelled at for something else, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, at least <laughs> it won't be that. Work, but... All right, so synopsis for this one. Um, this one is based in Colombia, so this is another Latino-based storyline. Very heavily family-oriented, again. The main character is Mary Bell, and she is part of the Magical family. They are a family who, um, it's her grandmother, then her grandmother had triplets, and then the two daughters had children. It had three children each, I believe it was. Um, when the three, when the triplets were babies, um, the grandmother and the grandfather had to leave their hometown, were never really given a reason why but they were persecuted along with a group of other people. Um, They fled their town. 
they were being chased down, the grandfather went and sacrificed himself so that everyone could get away. When he sacrificed himself, the Madrigal family was given a miracle. That's all it's referred to. Um, this miracle allowed them to get away. With say It saved their lives. It provided them with a safe place to live. They became the key people in their town. So everyone who escaped with them became the townspeople. They all kind of stayed together. But the Madrigal family was given a magical house. And every time a family member reaches, I believe it's six years old, they are given a gift that helps not only their family, but their whole community. So they are really like the key. I, like, I don't think there's anyone who's a mayor in the town. So they're kind of like the head of the town and their grandmother is the head of the family. Now the, um, the roles that, or the magical powers that each of them is given fits in with a role that can be assigned in just a general family. So like the older sister, she, um, her ability is she has super strength. And um, when you get to her song and you kind of figure out what's going on with in her, in her head, what her issues are in this movie she is feeling a lot of pressure from carrying all this weight, literally and figuratively, having to be the one who carries all the weight of the family, all the problems, all the burdens fall to her because she's older, she's stronger, she should be able to hold hold on to these things, she should be able to carry them. But it's slowly breaking her down over time, and she's saying, you know, part of, part of the lines in her song are saying things like, who am I? If, if I can't be perfect, I'm worthless. All of this stuff. It's a, some really heavy things in her song alone. I've seen on TikTok, a lot of people were relating to her. Um, I think it was a lot of like the oldest siblings in family specifically. So there's a lot of family dynamics that people are relating to in this movie. Now, the plot line of this Mary Bell is the only one in her family who was not given a magical gift. And some years pass after she should have given one, um, she should have been given one. Her younger cousin receives his gift, but on the day that he receives his, their house starts to develop cracks. It starts to fall apart. There's something is affecting the miracle. So Mirabelle decides she's going to save the miracle. She just has to figure out how to do that. She has no clue. So her cousins tell her, you got to figure out. So they're the, um, the one triplet, the brother was Bruno who left the family, abandoned the family. That's why nobody talks about Bruno. Uh, they tell her, you know, you have to find his prophecy. You have to figure out he, he may have seen what was wrong. So she goes through all this stuff. She finds the prophecy and trying to think of how to explain the rest of it without spoiling it. I might have to just leave it there story-wise. Um, so Dylan, I know you watched this. Steven, Carmen, have either of you seen it yet? I have not. Okay. No, I haven't seen it either. <clears throat> okay. 
I so, did. I did just check for those of you, of you listening, and I'm sorry, Liza. Maybe you did say this, and I missed no, it. You're fine. It is in theaters, and it is on Disney Plus. Oh no, I I didn't say that. I, I forgot about that. So this yeah. is this is one that they did release. Both I I didn't realize they put it in theaters as well. I thought it was just on Disney Plus. Yeah, I just checked. Um, there are local showtimes for us. I well, I don't know if it's local but I, I know for sure that it's uh in theaters oh yeah it's not local at all it's los angeles um so certain theaters are showing it um but it's definitely on disney plus yeah so it, it might have been a limited release um and it, it did come out it was released in um i think it was the end of november yeah it was november so that might be why it's not showing near you guys right now yeah. They may have it may have just timed out at this point, um, but it is another one. It's really it, it's got a really good soundtrack to it. Um, I I enjoyed Coco's soundtrack more. I will admit. However, um, anyone who is a fan of Lin Manuel Miranda, he did the songs for this one. I do know that. Yes, so if you like the songs from Hamilton, if you like the songs from Moana, you're going to like these songs too. Hmm. Um, let me see, what do I want to talk about specifically that is not spoilerish? Well, as we said, we don't talk about Bruno Has Surpassed Let It Go in Listens. It is a very catchy song. It has been stuck in my head, just like different sections of it will just randomly pop up as I'm going around work. Kind of like what we were talking about with Inside Out. My brain's just like, here you go. Here's the second stanza. Listen to it on repeat for five hours. Um, <laughs> um, I actually yeah. have, since this is the movie I've seen. Yes. Um, I noticed one thing, and then right after I noticed it, I found a TikTok that brought it up as well, was the triplets' powers are almost things like uh, what their mother, the grandmother, wished she had the ability to control. So with the oldest, oh, she yeah. had the ability to control weather, which could have caused a bunch of things to stop certain things. Uh-huh. Or, uh, middle child had the ability to heal, which could have helped with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And then the um, youngest, I guess, Bruno, or Bruno might be the middle, I'm not entirely sure, could see into the future to avoid things. So it's it's almost like they gained the miracle because of all the uh, terrible things, and they basically got miracles that could have been useful at the time. Oh, that's wow. a that's a really good point. Now I did I also saw somebody was making a connection of like I think the miracle came partially because. It's partially because of the grandfather's sacrifice and also the grandmother's sense of loss. Because if you notice, it happens at the time when... So they, they don't show the grandfather's... Um, they don't show his death. He just... What they do... It, it was actually a really cool thing visually, I thought. His character just fades out of the scene. So you you understand what happened without it actually having to be shown. So he fades out and then they start to zoom in on the grandmother and like she's fallen to the ground. She's crying because she 
just watched her husband who my, my sister made a really good point when we were talking about this. They were married for only about a year, possibly less than a year when she lost him because their children, their, their triplets were newborns. So she, she dealt with a lot of loss and trauma, which then led to her character. Cause I've seen a lot of people like, there's no official villain in this movie. The villain, you, you, you and Delaney disagree with me, but this is also where, do, do you agree with Delaney of who the villain is? I think it's the grandmother and the sense of perfection. Yes, in 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 that way, yes, but she's not a traditional villain is more so what I mean. It is, so this movie shows generational trauma because the grandmother was traumatized and she unintentionally passed that trauma down to her children and then her grandchildren because she's trying so hard to protect them. It has the opposite effect. Yes. So it shows the effect that this can have on a family, and she she doesn't understand what she did wrong. Because at the end of the movie, she apologizes for what she did. Oh wow! It's like oh, I it's cried a, a little at that part. Yeah. It, it is very sincere. It's very like, you know, this was never my intention. It's I like, I love you all so much. I love our town. I love our family. She just, she went through so much. She's tried so hard to keep it from happening again. And I've seen a lot of people on social media just being like, oh, she's horrible and this and that. And it's like, no, she went through something horrible. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that that's a very humanizing story arc. And it's very easy to say, oh, well, yeah, she was horrible. But it sounds like they're trying to show that, like, somebody can still do the wrong thing, even though they have good intention. It doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. make them the bad guy. I mean, maybe their decisions and actions cause bad effects, but that's like a really deep, like, that's like really deep writing. Like, it's... Yeah, and uh, it's just, I don't know, there's just so much to it. And seeing, like I said, this is the, the second one on our list that was a, from a Latino culture. So my sister and I were talking about this, and Gabrielle doesn't... Gabrielle said she didn't relate to certain aspects of it as much as I did because when we were younger, we did do a lot more with our dad's side of the family. But she she's four and a half years younger than me, so she doesn't remember as much the big family gatherings where all of our cousins and our aunts and uncles were all at the house and like everybody's having food and everybody's hanging out together. And, you know, we might be fighting in one room and then playing games in another I know she remembers it, but not as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was it was an interesting conversation that she and I had just on the cultural side of things. Um, another thing that I've seen a lot of people doing with this movie is trying to figure out which characters they relate to because the 
magical gifts that each person got does relate to different roles in a family. So that was one of the first things I asked my sister after she watched it, because I had an answer for myself. I am a blend of two characters, and when you guys watch it, just think of this. So I am most definitely Louisa, the strong, the older, strong sister who carries everything. And what was the one you said, Dylan? It was uh, Isabella. Yeah, that one. The one who's told she has to be perfect. Exactly. Um, who, in my opinion, so I love, I love Louisa's song, but the beginning of it is not my favorite. I love Isabella's song more, just because of the message of it. It's just a, it's also just a really fun song. But anyway, so I went to my sister. I'm like Gabrielle. Who did you connect with? And she's like, I didn't really connect with anyone. She's like, I cried a lot because of everything they went through. And she's like, it really did. It hit me like the emotions and stuff. And I was like, aha, uh-huh. like, you're really not going to say that you're Dolores. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're the one who hears everything. And, she, <laughs> and she's just like, she just started giggling and she's like, I wasn't even thinking about her. She's like, yeah, that's me. Because <laughs> um, I, I asked her like three times. I'm like, who are you? Which one are you? Because I already knew. And she's like, nope, nobody, nobody. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> want to talk about Bruno. <laughs> um, I don't. Dylan, I don't want to talk about Bruno because I don't want to ruin it for them, but I want to talk about Bruno. So, honestly, Bruno's probably one of my favorite characters in the movie because he had a talent that no one could understand and really make sense of, and honestly, he's a really well-written, socially awkward character. Yes. He portrays somebody that was shunned because they had something that no one could understand. And that was honestly one of the reasons why he was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he you're correct. He is extremely well written, especially for not being in the movie that much. Yeah. Unless you know where to look. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. We don't talk about this. Oh, I get it. I think I already got it. Okay, I'm going to watch it tomorrow, and then I'm going to text you, but I think I already (laughs) got it. Is he a shapeshifter? No, that's Camilo. Okay. Damn. All right, then maybe I don't got it. I have to watch it for sure now. (laughs) It'll make sense once you watch it. You'll understand what I mean. Um, It was kind of heartbreaking. It's a a little heartbreaking. Invisibility. No. Okay, damn. All right, I'm going to stop guessing and just watch the damn movie now. <laughs> he, can see, he can see the future. Yes, his, his, abil- his gift is that he can see the future. That is his gift. Oh, that's Yeah, a good I one. think I understand. I, I can piece things together, I think. But anyway, um, no, so it is another good one that, like, so again, back to our theme of this is written for kids, but actually for adults like family trauma, generational trauma, family roles that are assigned that like you feel like you have to fit into particular roles. Um trying to think cuz there was something else with this one. 
Oh, okay. So I'm going to nerd out about something with the animation in this movie very quickly. And this has nothing to do with anything else we've been talking about. But the first time I watched it, I just sat there and went, oh my gosh. Well, honey, I think you're on the right show for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I told everybody I sound like such a dork when I say this. The fabric animation in this movie blew me away. Really? Yes. That's cool. You didn't tell me that, and now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of brought that up a little bit when we watched it the other night. Yeah. I thought I said it to you. I'm sorry. So the first time I watched it, the, the main character especially, just because she's the main one on the screen, I... The the type of skirt that she is wearing, I have worn one like that before. I know what that fabric feels like. I know how that fabric moves when you're wearing it. Watching this movie, I I could feel the texture up like the way it moved was so accurate. When she was walking, if she like spun around. I like I was distracted through that's why I had to watch the movie a second time because the first time I was watching it I was so distracted by her skirt animation. And I'm just I was so happy and it was something so minor. But to me it was on the same the same level of detail as in Coco it made me so happy that they animated the guitar playing properly. In this one like that I don't know. It's just something I've never seen done this well before. I'm glad you pointed it out because now when I go to watch, I can keep an eye out for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously not just on her, but she was the one that I was paying the most attention to. Mm-hmm. And it's it just like, I want to go, I, I either want to go make myself one of these skirts or go buy one because I just I'm I actually miss having one like it brought me back to this particular style which was part of in in this it's Colombian culture but what I'm familiar with is like the Puerto Rican culture of it and it was just like I said it's something completely off that has nothing to do with the story but I loved it it meant a lot to you that's yes. all that matters yeah so we normally do shit on the mouse on this podcast a lot, but I do have to say I think that for the most part of the things we discussed here, I think we can all agree, like there are certain things that it's doing now or has been doing as of late, I should say. Or they're getting it right. I I love hearing you specifically talk about like and I mean I'm not trying to like pigeonhole you into this because I know that's not what you're trying to do. But like, <clears throat> obviously, you're Puerto Rican, but seeing and being able to resonate with some of these on-screen things, like, not only are they giving us adult storylines, knowing their audience and doing all of that, but they're actually getting representation right. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing we need to, like, just acknowledge, because I think last season I went on some rant about how they need to stop, like, taking characters that were like white cis males and then like making them something else and i think that my point was a little bit lost i think i shouldn't say my point was lost the way i conveyed it was improper what i meant by that is there are organic stories that need to be told 
by people, whether it be uh, the, the Mexican story of Coco or, or what have you, that need to come from authentic voices, authentic writers, representation within the cast, and be original. You don't just take something that's already been done and then just, you know, change the color palette. We want, and especially me, I'm more intrigued by these because these are different cultures. That, to me, in the organic stories, that's so cool. Like, I don't know. Do you, does it, Carmen, do you follow what I'm saying? Like, I, I want real stories based I on... I do. And I feel culture. like... Yeah, I feel like it's something that, and I, you know... This isn't something new. This is something that's been talked about, you know, by plenty of other people along the way is that, you know, there was a, a long period of time where, you know, racism was very prevalent in a lot of early films um, and stories. And it's, it, on one hand, it is a little bit later than it probably could have started uh, to try to change that tune. But it does seem like, you know, they're getting a little bit better with, you know, being better with the representation with other cultures, other stories, other um, gender roles or whatever, whatever have you. It seems that they are understanding their past and trying to uh, do better, not make yeah. amends, not make up for it or apologize, just trying to do better in general. And I guess, Liza, that's my question to you. Like, do you feel more represented? represented when you see films like what we've talked about like do you feel like seen and heard i mean it it definitely is something i before some of these were released i didn't realize that i wanted it because to be to be fair to this discussion i am half puerto rican my sister and i well we connect with that part of our culture that's not our only culture. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak for everyone on how they feel with the representation or I, I never like when I was younger, I didn't realize that I wasn't being represented in a way as much as I could have been. If, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. it didn't really click for me until I saw it. Yeah. And then it, it was like, wow, like this isn't even, this doesn't match my culture 100%, but I do, I connect with this. I like, I, I really enjoy hearing the Spanish peppered into the dialogue in an organic and natural way of someone who is bilingual would speak this way. Mm -hmm. It's not forced. That is how you, if you are bilingual and you are just throwing in some Spanish words in there, that is how you do it. Um, hearing it in the songs, hearing it and all of that, it just, it really does. That, that's why these resonate, part of why these resonate with me more than some of the other ones they've done recently, because I do connect with this culture more. Yeah. And like, I, I, it, we were making jokes when I was watching it with Dylan and Delaney. I think Dylan, you made the joke that, um, you said something along the lines of you're too white to love these as much as I do or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so it's not that I don't love it as much. I said I'm a little too white to get some of the cultural impact. From okay, them. okay, okay, okay. I couldn't remember exactly what it was you said, but yeah. That's one reason why I've been enjoying Disney movies like this. 
is because you get to learn more about random cultures. Like anyone that knows me knows I love to learn about a culture and just love to learn about other people, no matter what it is. So it's it's really helps me um appreciate more things. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Dylan. I don't get me wrong. I love and appreciate my Irish, German, Italian big bag of bullshit. But I like getting out and getting drug out of my European background. I like I like a new backdrop. I like new settings and new stories and I like yeah. seeing other cultures. You you uh <laughs> You can definitely learn a lot from Disney's newer stuff. Yeah. Are you throwing boxes around? Me? Yeah, you. No. It sounds I, like you are. Oh, I opened a. I opened my refrigerator door. <laughs> <laughs> Was it bad? I've just been trying to figure out. No, it was funny. I was oh. just trying to. I've just been trying to figure out what you were. Oh doing. yeah, I'm just working the night shift at the Pepsi plant. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, no, my that refrigerator is old and loud and clunky. So. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, if does anybody have any other points they want to make, or we're running a little on the long side, but I feel like um, we had a lot we needed to talk about. I like the point you pointed out to me. Like I know I realized it a little bit, but it wasn't like um, fully realized. Was the color coding between the two families of the oh, sisters? Yeah. Yeah. Like how the eldest sister, her family wore like warm orange colors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. while the younger sister wore a lot more cooler colors, like your purples and your blues and stuff like that. Yeah, they did that to break up the the mini family units in the large family. So all of like the main character and her sisters, they're wearing a lot of like purples and blues and greens. Her cousins all wear oranges and reds. So it makes it a little bit easier for you to even subconsciously keep track of who belongs with who, so to speak. So yeah, it was... And it's just, it has a really nice, bright color palette anyway. I feel like that's representative of the culture in general, too. Yep. And there's a lot of, I was watching a TikTok that somebody was talking about, like, nine things in Encanto that they felt, because they were Colombian. It's nine things that were very, very Colombian. And one of the things that I thought was really cool that they mentioned was how, like, there is a lot of dancing in this movie, like not just to the songs, but like when they're having a party, there's um, animation where the characters are talking, but they're also like dancing a little bit as they're talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just um, a lot of, like, once again, nice little attention to details when talking about a different culture that not everybody might understand. And um, I'll use this as my last my last point for this one. A lot of just Hispanic people in general have been commenting on TikTok and the other few other social medias I've been keeping an eye on, saying like they they've been making jokes about how they're showing this movie to their parents and going like, "Do you see anything in here that looks familiar?" Like trying to talk about the high expectations of the grandmother. Mm-hmm. 
and how at the end of the movie the grandmother admits that she's wrong and they're all just like we like the colors <laughs> we like the colors. <laughs> we like the colors. and they're like that's all you like <laughs> they're just like it's it was nice and they're like this movie's about you <laughs> like this is literally you like this is your media representation damn it <laughs> they're like they're like trying to point out they're like they're admitting that they were wrong and apologizing can you do that and they're like we don't know what you're talking about pretty colors <laughs> so just as a side note it is representative of how the generations are within that within the Hispanic culture as well. <laughs> Just it's saying, it's it is all it right? is authentic. It is very much so. That's how you know it was written by people from the culture and not some <laughs> white guy in a writer's room. You'd love to see it. I think just one last note I have, and this kind of just touches on all the movies we talked about, is. You know, the overarching theme of, yeah, they, they make us cry as adults, but it feels like it's something that is kind of healing in a sense yes. to our, our inner child. So now we're the adults. Maybe there's some stuff that we went through as kids that we didn't really get to talk about. And this is our way of healing that inner child aspect. Absolutely. Yep. It's healing. opening a lot of doors. Healing yeah. is definitely the word that I had floating around in my brain. I'm glad you're the one who got to say it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. <laughs> you're good. I've been interrupting you this whole time. No. <laughs> well, does anybody else have anything to add before we wrap up? Or are we good? I think we're good. I had fun. I think this was a great topic. Thank you guys yeah. for letting me join you tonight. Glad you were able to be on. I have to say, in my opinion, I think this wasn't just in a, when we all, we, we, we try to do the schedule thing and it doesn't always work, but there are some times when an idea is thrown, thrown out there and everybody kind of clamors to it, like fish in a tank getting dinner. <laughs> I get in it, I get like a serotonin moment because I know something good's going to come from it. And that's what I think happened the night uh, this wasn't just a good episode. This was a necessary episode because I hope the people that are listening check out these movies and understand what we're trying to convey because representation and seeing, being, feeling and being seen and heard and all of that until it happens to you, it's, it's such a cliche statement, but until it happens to you, it, you don't quite understand how important it is. And I know our demographics and a lot of us skew in me and Carmen and Lizette's age group. So you're going to understand what we're talking about here with the progression of Disney. And I think we can all agree that it, it was a necessary step and it, it's important. And I'm so thankful to have everybody that was here tonight because I don't think that I could have handpicked a better panel to break this down and really put this out there. Like Lizette said, it's been discussed, I think, in certain spaces, but getting it shared on our platform makes me really happy because this is something that I think everybody needs to take a look at, be involved in, get into the discussion, and really understand the importance. With that being said, I want to thank Anchor for making this whole show possible. I want to thank our other sponsors of the night. Thank you so much for taking a chance on us and our dog and pony show. We are 
growing and it could not be possible without you listening right now. So with that being said, please join the community. We are on Reddit. We are on Discord. Everything will be linked below. Check out the YouTube channel. If you like our show and you like our sponsors, when you support our, our sponsors, you support us. It means the world. Um, I, I'm so thankful that we we're all here tonight. I'm so thankful for this show. And with that being said, we're going to leave it there. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasy Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. Today's guest host was Robert Van Jacobs. You can follow him on all social media platforms at Bobby Dub Music. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod or find us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds. Mm-hmm.